views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show and Transformation Talk Radio. Today is a very special day. Um, it's a very special day for me, and it's a very special day for people in the world. Uh, I am so thrilled and honored to have a panel of, of amazing, heart-opened, transformative people joining me here today. You know, there have been so many opportunities since I decided to do this radio show to help people bring forth the light. And literally today, that's what the show is about. Uh, Dr. Nusheen Darvish is joining me here today. Dr. Roy Steiner joining me here today. Uh, And for those of you out there that are wondering what this show is about, you will be amazed when I tell you. Uh, We're also being joined by an individual who has had to fight, fight deeply for the rights of his own life, and of his education. Because the Baha'i religion is a minority in Iran. It is a minority that just will not go quietly in the night. People of that faith are systematically imprisoned, tortured, and killed by the Iranian government. The Islamic regime bans the Baha'is to study or to teach in Iranian universities. But the Baha'is do teach. They do study. Since 1987, the Baha'is started B-I-H-E, an underground university with hundreds of students and dozens of teachers, uh, not just in Iran, but all around the world. And so the film that has been created to light a candle is, is one of highlighting some of the secret footage that has been shot by journalists, citizens, and then rare archival material to literally shine a light on, on atrocities that are going on in Iran for people, for people that want to study, that want to learn. Hutan has been involved with several human rights campaigns. He's a graduate from Baha'i Institute for Higher Education, bachelor's degree in computer science, 2008. And he's worked as a software developer But I'll tell you this, I can sit here and talk about his education. I could talk about his master's degree. But what I can't talk about and and do justice with is his journey, what his life was like to, to fight for that education. Dr. Roy Steiner is joining us here today. 
someone that has been part of some of the most amazing foundations, some of the most incredible global initiatives, whether it be in the area of sustainable farming, whether it's in the area of providing potable water in Africa, whether it's in working with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, he is someone that understands global impact, global citizenship, and global consciousness in a world. And so he joins us here today, uh, doctorate in biological engineering. But more than that, someone that is, is someone that is part of a campaign to end these atrocities. Dr. Nusheen Darvish is one of the most sought-after doctors in Pacific Northwest and globally, not just for what she does in the world, but for how she does it. She's been a colleague and friend of mine for years. Uh, For many of you, you do know her name. You've heard her on the show, medical director, naturopathic physician, naturopathic integrative oncologist, Lyme literate physician, anti-aging specialist, and I can go on. What these credentials don't say is what an incredible individual she is. And I can go on and talk about what she's done for countless people to help them heal, to help them grow, especially at a time where some of the illnesses people were fighting were not quite fashionable. So it's no surprise she joins Hutan, uh, Dr. Steiner, here today on the panel. Thank you all for joining me. You know, many of us look at our education and we look at it from a point of view where uh, we feel so privileged, privileged, and yet at the same time, many of us don't even, you know, take the opportunity at all. We don't even take the opportunity to step forth and think about, you know, what the opportunities are for us to learn, for us to grow, for us to be educated. But now let's imagine a different scenario. Let's imagine a scenario where you are hungry to learn, where education was not just a privilege for you, but something that you felt was your divine birthright. Now, what if, what if, what if that right were taken away from you? What if you were persecuted for wanting to be educated, for wanting to grow, for wanting to learn, for wanting to give back in the world? What if, you, what if you were tortured, even killed, because of what you believed in God, what you believed in faith, what you believed about life? Now think about what you would do. Would you stand up? Would you come forth? Would you take a position to help millions of people gain that right back? What would you do today? As I've introduced, we have three esteemed people that have not only taken this journey, but understand exactly what is at risk here. We're talking about something so powerful, something so incredibly important to us that I hope you will all support what we're about to say. Education is a crime in Iran. Education is a crime. But we can change that. Now, is it education for everyone? No. It's for a group. And as we know, discrimination of any kind, injustice of any kind, is horrific. Thank you all for joining me here today. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to have you. Um, 
Dr. Darvish, I would love to start with you if I could. Uh, Dr. Darvish, you know, you and I have known each other for quite some time. And, you, you know, the journey we have taken together has taken us in many, many places and, and places we're yet to go together. And That's this, awesome. part- I know it is, you know, <laughs> but here you and I talking about something that honestly I never thought I would be uh, talking about with you. I would love for you to share with our listeners why education is a crime and who are the people in Iran that are getting tortured, persecuted, and even killed. First of all, Dr. Pat, it is such a pleasure and such an honor and um, to be with, with you on this show. And thank you so much for the service that you're providing in spreading this campaign, this message uh, to um, people worldwide. So, you know, the first, first of all, when you were talking about, um, you know, giving us this introduction, it was just putting chills down my back because it reminded me of why and how I am so privileged to be actually in this country, in the United States of America, and have the opportunities that I have had and continue to have to be educated and to be, to be able to educate others. It's such a privilege because it is not something that is possible for the Baha'is in Iran at this point in time. So um, currently, you know, um, I'm I'm a physician here, and I look back, I was a very young child, I was six or seven years old when I came to Canada. My parents decided to leave Iran by listening to a message that was released to the Baha'is in Iran from the world governing body, the Universal House of Justice of the Baha'is. And in this message, they... uh, they informed the Baha'is that there may be something uh, happening and for, for the Baha'is to leave. And this was in the late 1970s. And so in 1977, my parents decided that they would pack up, close the shop, a business house, and pick up their three young kids and move to a country where they had no knowledge of the culture, no knowledge of um, the language, um, no knowledge of anything about this country, and uh, hoping that it would be just a temporary move. They would just be coming for a few months and going back. Well, they came, and a few months later, the the revolution began. And um, as the revolution began, the Baha'is were outlawed from uh, having any privileges, including being educated. Uh, kids, uh, my own cousins, um, were removed from schools. Um, my aunts and uncles were denied their jobs. Um, scholars, professors um, who were, you know, academically at such a high degree of serving in these universities and school systems were denied their positions and uh, rejected. And uh, so it was all because uh, they were Baha'is. And from then on, multiple and hundreds of people have been persecuted and executed as a result of um, the Iranian revolution and um, the Muslim regime, the Islamic regime in Iran. So right now we are still suffering. Uh, The Baha'is are still suffering in Iran. Uh, Many still are not able to go to school. 
Bhutan will, I'm sure, will bring up uh, his experience um, as a young um, teenager and student of Iran um, while he was going through the revolution. Um, but for me, I felt so privileged because my mom and dad were able to get out of that country, bring me to this country, and I feel that I have been given not only the opportunity, but the obligation and the duty to serve the people of this country and uh, the world as at large, but also have the responsibility to be educated and educate others because the people of my country are not able to do that. So this is a great privilege to be able to serve um, and to send out this message. Really, this is what this message is about, is to, um, to let people out there know that this country is, um, is in shambles and the Baha'is are really being persecuted for something that they have not done and just for the principles that they believe in, such as the equality of men and women, such as universal language, such as world peace, such as elimination of all prejudice. So it is such an honor and privilege. And it just, you know, it just puts tears down my back and tears in my um, eyes when I'm talking about this and hearing you discuss this whole um, concept. Mm. Thank you so, so much. I am so grateful to you. Well, I, you know, this is really something that's near and dear to my own heart for a lot of reasons. You know, I'm watching some of my fellow colleagues being persecuted for what they believe in. And, you know, this is uh, Dr. Roy Steiner joining me here today as well. You know, from many different points of view, we can look at this. And, you know, in the, later on in the show, we're going to hear from someone that actually went through, you know, the experience of this. Uh, Dr. Steiner, thank you so much as well for today and for joining us here. Um, you know, there are many, 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 many things we can say to the people listening. But you have seen some things globally you know, based on the the work that you've done, the foundation work that you've done to help organizations uh, that have incredible, incredible contributions to the world. What is it about uh, education being a crime in Iran that is so absolutely, uh, how should I say it, toxic as well as devastating for the world on a global level? Thank you, Dr. Pat. Absolutely. I mean, it really violates so much of what it means to be uh, a human being because, you know, our purpose in life is, is to learn, is to grow, mm-hmm. is to develop. And, and, and this is a, you know, a government policy to keep a group of people um, down, to, to oppress them in a very systematic way. In, in order to understand that, I mean, it's just you know, sitting here in the United States, it's often kind of hard to imagine why that that's happening. And I think a little bit of history might help. Um, yes. Your 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 listeners may not know uh, the the Baha'i faith is a global world religion. There are there are Baha'i communities in over 180 countries. Um, I think uh, just um, on a on a on a locality basis, I think we're something probably the second most widespread faith in the world really spread out, representing incredible diversity. Um, and, and this all uh, started actually in the mid-1800s in Iran. The founder of the Baha'i faith, whose name was Baha'u'llah, came 
to bring a, a what we believe is a new uh, message, a new revelation. And it was really centered around the concept of the oneness of humanity, that at the end of the day, there is one race, the human race. We are all interdependent. And the purpose of life is to contribute to an ever-advancing civilization. And Baha'u'llah came uh, in Iran, and, and there was incredible persecution because of uh, the challenge he, he um, presented to the orthodoxy of that time, and the current orthodoxy, actually. So things like, as, as Nasheen mentioned, uh, we believe in independent investigation after truth. There's no clergy in the Baha'i faith. So we, we, we encourage people to think for themselves. We give equal rights to, to women. Uh, this is in the 1800s. Remember, this is a long time before even the, the women's movement started. And, and, and Baha'is um, believe that education is the way you advance yourself. So um, there was the incredibly high literacy rates in the Baha'i community at that time. So uh, one statistic I saw, there was a 99% literacy rate among women of the Baha'i community. And this is the largest religious minority in a country, this is in the 50s, in a country where there was, women had a 30% literacy rate. So huge difference. And as a result, you know, some of the first, uh, the PhDs and the academics and some of the real intellectuals of Iran uh, were, were Baha'is. Um, this created great resentment, um, I think, with, within the orthodoxy. Um, Baha'is believe that Baha'u'llah is the most rec recent manifestation of God. I mean, the concept of God in the Baha'i um, faith is really one of uh, an unknowable, infinite essence. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, uh, and, and, you know, we, whatever concept you, of God you have, uh, it's going to be wrong because God is unknowable and infinite, but there is a creative force in the universe. And that creative force wants us to develop, wants us to love, wants us to, to grow, and, uh, and, and has sent we basically manifest, manifest teachers all through human history that has that has guided us. And so Baha'is believe in, in Krishna, Buddha, Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad as these great teachers that are part of the unfolding development of humanity. Um, so the, the fact that we believe that Baha'u'llah is the latest of these manifestations um, viol uh, challenge uh, Muslim orthodoxy that believes that Muhammad is the last, the seal of the prophets. There will be no, no other prophets after that. And, and, and the fact that we had all of these very progressive teachings um, challenged the, the current order, challenged the, the, the culture, and the persecution was um, swift and strong and brutal and violent. Uh, the, what what is fascinating, and I think uh, this will come out a little later on, that the response of the Baha'i had been all about nonviolence, all about love, all about peace. You cannot fight darkness with light, with with darkness. You have right. to fight fight darkness with light, and and right. I think that's the title of the candle. Uh, the, the title of the the, the movie was to light a candle is. You know, you can yell all you want. You can throw darkness at darkness. It's not going to change it. You've got to bring light to the to to that um, problem. And I think all great teachers, all the the leaders we've had that have made a difference in the world, Martin Luther King and Gandhi, geez, I mean, there's many who have taken that approach. It's a hard approach because you have to suffer and you have to 
but but it is ultimately the only long-term solution to creating a world that's peaceful, a, a world where everyone considers themselves as part of one family. And that's the ultimate objective, to really create a, a world where every human being can can develop their capacity. So in Iran right now, you know, this is that's the Baha'i point of view. They are petrified, I think, of that perspective. Uh, and they and they because they believe they will lose power and control, which uh, is, you know, I think I think an old story uh, all through history that people hold on when, in fact, there is a new way of doing things and they will be better off. Everybody will be better off if we embrace the, the, this a new way of, of being a new way of, of treating others. Well, the message is powerful in itself because the energy of love is is a highest vibration. You know, I mean, scientifically we have proved that, but yeah. we know that. I mean, we can yeah. go back historically, you, you know, thousands and thousands of years to see that. You know, it's also interesting, and I'd love to hear from, you know, Hutan about this. What's also interesting is governments just don't know what to do with love. They just don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't mean to, to be, you know, take this lightly, but governments, organ, governments, organizations, they don't know what to do with love. And so what happens is it stops them. They have to stop, you know, even in their horrific treatment of people, they, they have to stop in a moment. Because you see, they're not having to defend. They're not having to defend against someone shooting at them. Um, mm. You know, Dr. Pat, there's a beautiful quote um, from the Baha'i faith, from Baha'u'llah. He says, regard man as a mind rich in gems of inestimable value. Education can alone cause it to reveal its treasures and enable mankind benefit therefrom. So when you're talking about, you know, governments don't know what to do with love, what they're missing out is recognizing that the education that they provide for their, um, you know, population, for their people, that it can actually enable their country and humanity at large to benefit from it. It can reveal the treasures that are so hidden in these individuals. And yet when you do stop the uh, the education when you put a halt to people who have such capacity to serve at not only at a local level not only at, at their country level but at globally and put that country at a much higher station you know you're depriving yourself you're dri- yes. depriving yourself your country when these people are not educated so it's uh, you know it's very very unfortunate but yet. Um, look what this message of what um, they have done in terms of stopping the education has done worldwide. It's actually educating people all over the world about the exact thing that they did not want to have people to be educated about, which was the Baha'i faith, which was Baha'u'llah. Oh, you know, one of the things that I'm so thrilled about, uh, you know, uh, with my participation in this is that I, I, I get to be surrounded by so much love in this campaign, so much kindness in this campaign, 
you know, and I call it a campaign. For those of you listening, please go to the website, educationisnotacrime.me. And we're going to talk about the film in a minute. But before we do, you know, what is it like to actually experience this level of persecution? You know, what is it in one's life that, that encourages us, that causes us to move forward despite the danger, despite the threats, despite the torture of friends, family? What is it? Well, that's what we're going to hear about today. Hutan, thank you so much for joining us here today. You know, you are someone that has actually seen the effects of this up close and personal, been, uh, you know, in a threatening position yourself. I would, I want to welcome you to the show today. And I would love for you to share what your journey has been like. And, and what do you think has enabled you to step forward and declare your freedom? Thank you so much for having us here. It's uh, it's a pleasure and honor to be uh, in this radio show. Um, actually, growing up back in Iran in, uh, in a Baha'i family, I was taught that um, it's uh, the education is critical to progress and develop, and also to be able to serve to the people and to the country I live in. So I was always thirsty of knowledge and I was always wanted to learn and um, so I studied um, uh, in my uh, high school and primary school and I always had uh, great uh, grades and uh, I had a good performance and I wanted to get into the into university and um, you know continue my education uh, further but um, so when I've uh, tried to apply um, to take the national entrance exam in Iran, um, I was told that um, you're not allowed to uh, participate in the national entrance exam and later on uh, attend the university because uh, you're, you do not believe in one of official religions in Iran. Um, so Baha'i faith is not considered uh, official in Iran, and lots of uh, the rights of Baha'is in Iran are um, uh, violated. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as, as a result, I was heartbroken, uh, and um, um, I didn't know what to do because uh, I I, uh, I was so uh, thirsty for the knowledge. I, I wanted to learn more, and it was I was taught that. Uh, education is critical to progress and develop. Um, so uh, yeah, I was in um, such a, a, a problem and I, I, I didn't know what to do. But uh, thank God the Baha'i professors who were um, fired from their job after the revolution um, from universities They've um, started to establish an underground university called BIHE, which stands for Baha'i Institute for Higher Education, to basically take in the Baha'i youth who are um, deprived of their their right from accessing higher education and form this uh, underground university and 
um, teach and educate these um, brilliant, brilliant young um, uh, young kids to basically go um, through the education. So I've um, actually started uh, um, studying my bachelor's degree in BIHE, and um, so the, it, it was so lovely to be in such an environment uh, where uh, all the professors uh, knew that they're actually risking their own life to teach uh, these uh, young um, people who do not have any other option by studying, but studying in an underground university. Um, it was so lovely to see uh, every uh, uh, people in the community opening their home to uh, these uh, young people to uh, have uh, the classes uh, in their homes because we, we couldn't have any place rented or um, bought and uh, have the classes constantly in some place. So we had to go from home to home of uh, these lovely families who hosted us uh, for our classes. Um, it was it was very, very well uh, heartbroken. Uh, I was very heartbroken um, to see that uh, the government um, does not recognize the right of people to be educated um, and actually sees the education as a threat to its existence. Um, but at the same time, um, it, it was it was such an honor to be part of this uh, unique uh, miracle uh, and this uh, peaceful response to uh, such a violent persecution against the Baha'i community in Iran. So I was always um, uh, we always had these uh, classes every few weeks. And uh, lots of my friends were actually moving to um, Tehran, the capital city, to attend a um, few days of classes, maybe three or four, and then go back to their hometowns and study uh, at their homes. Um, and um, it, it was so all the time during the classes, we were um, afraid of, uh, you know, getting attacked by authorities. And uh, it was such a mixed feeling of hope uh, that we're getting um, some education and fear of uh, getting attacked by uh, authorities. Well, I mean, this is really what the film is about as well. And I'd like to talk about that, too. You know, um, and Hutan, let's start with you, because, uh, you know, I come from a, I come from my own background of of uh, first of all never ever thinking that I would be allowed to get an education, um, and if it wasn't for someone fighting for me, I would not have gotten an education, and uh, yet at the same time, uh, I I did not have the threat of being physically hurt. I did not have the threat of my family being killed. I did not have the threat of myself being tortured. And yet this is really the degree of, of violation that's happening. Um, and, and so the film, when we think about it, the film, Light a Candle, 
uh, is just that. You see, one candle can light a room. Thousands of candles, millions of candles can light up the world. And what I love is that all of us get to, to come together about this. You know, uh, I'd love to hear from each of you, Hutan, maybe you first, about the film and about the courage I believe it takes to be so vocally and visibly in the world in protest. What are your thoughts about the film, Hutan? Yeah, um, so first thing, I'm really, uh, I'm really thankful um, uh, um, from, I'm really thankful that everyone is trying to raise awareness about this uh, violent problem that the uh, Baha'i community is facing back in Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's very hopeful to see that uh, this campaign is really um, happening around the world. Um, lots of events and um, showing the films all around the world and talking about this serious issue, which can be uh, considered as a quiet genocide because the um, Iranian government is actually uh, blocking the uh, progress of the community by not allowing them to go to university. And when the, commun- the community uh, finds a peaceful way to form their uh, own underground university and um, studying at their home at, uh, with their friends, violently attacks them and uh, the government does everything it can and everything that's in its power to shut it down. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's uh, so lovely to see uh, such a support around the world um, to stop this persecution in Iran. It, um, it, it's a great um, hope for young uh, people back in Iran. Um, when I was back in Iran, I didn't really know that anyone in the world is uh, caring about my rights of accessing higher education. Um, uh, I, I always thought I'm alone back in Iran. No one knows about what's happening to me or my friend. And um, uh, I, I just had to fight it. I just had to do whatever I can in my power um, to basically continue my education and uh, basically being able um, to um, serve the community. But if I knew if I knew that someone um, somewhere around the world is caring for my right and um, people are standing beside me um, uh, to actually get my right back, it, it would it would mean a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Well, this is really, uh, for those of you that are, are, are wanting to know more about this, you will be amazed. When you go to the website, educationisnotacrime.me, you go look at the film. I, I want you to take a moment as you do this, not just to look at some of the images that are here uh, on the site, but I would, I would invite all of you to look at the many, many places so far that people have hosted the, the film. And as a matter of fact, uh, we will be doing the same, Dr. Darvish. We will be doing the same um, as we step forward here 
this weekend. And I wanted to ask you uh, about how, how does your heart feel? How does your heart feel knowing that, first of all, you can, you can stand for something and, and, and see action taken for it? How does it feel to, to now not be alone in what your journey was like, your family's journey like, but to have the world touching the hearts of so many people that are involved in this and have been hurt by this? How, how does this, this film make you feel or what does it bring forth in you? You know, Dr. Pat, it's, uh, when I first saw the film, it really touched my heart deeply because it brought back the memories of uh, that period of time in the 1980s, uh, where I remember as a young child um, and, a, and a teenager hearing about the persecutions. In fact, one particular uh, story just touched my heart so deeply then and still does was about a girl named Mona. Mona was a 16-year-old girl who, because of uh, you know being deprived from um, being educated and also educating, um, she uh, created a little children's class. So she she had these little kids come to her house and um, she would teach them. Well, this was uh, early 1980s, and um, the officials raided her home and took her. And a few months later, she was killed. And it was solely because she was a Baha'i and she was educating children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these stories, there's so many of them. My husband's uncles were martyred. Um, my, um, In fact, my uncles and great uncles from way back when, um, years ago, hundreds, you know, hundred years ago, um, were martyred because of the faith. And so it really touches deep, 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 deep into myself and helps me um, recognize and feel that extreme duty and obligation to serve. But at the same time, I have seen the world become one country. You know, it's not Iran a country, United States a country, Canada a country. It's really the world is one country and humanity is its citizens. And the love that is there, the love that binds, that's the magnet that binds these hearts together, my heart with yours, yours with Roy's, Roy's with, you know, Hutan's and so forth, and our, all of ours with all these um people of Iran, whether they are Baha'is, whether they are Jewish or Christians or Muslims, it's, all our hearts are so, so connected. And and what goes on in Iran, what goes on in Iraq, what goes on in uh, you know, any part of the world, really, um, whether it's good or bad, really affects all of us in a positive or negative mm-hmm. way. But at the same time, I feel so grounded you know, I feel so, so grounded that there's so many millions of people around us that are joining hands um, and um, educating people like Hutan um, and at the same time um, bringing so much love 
and positive energy and you know releasing so much positive force throughout the world that it's undeniable. Like Roy was saying, you cannot fight darkness with darkness. You have to have light. And this light, this light that is being um, lit in the hearts of individuals across the world to stand up, it, it's, I mean, it's just fire feeds fire, you know? Um, once you start a fire, you, it just explodes, and it's very difficult to get out of hand. You know, to, I mean, it's very difficult to shut it down. And so you've got this fire that's burning people's hearts. How could you possibly shut down such a massive force of energy that's full of love? How could you? Mm. And, and not only that, you gain so much energy from it. You gain so much power and you, you recognize that it's, it's one force coming from all around you, from God, um, from uh, the people, the, the spirituality that is, in the, you know, just... Um, just yeah. just exploding throughout the world. It's just powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. I mean, this is why you're doing this. It's because yeah. you feel that fire. Yeah. Yeah. You feel that fire. Yeah. And it's I, such, such a healing power. And, and you know, we're living so in a ways. time right now, Dr. Darvish and, and, and Roy as well. We're living in a time right now where, you know, I can only imagine, Dr. Darvish, what, what this was like when your family was going through this. Uh, Hutan, what your life was like going through this when you did. Because if we go back in time, we did not have the social media. We did not have the Internet. We did not have ways to connect with each other so that people were made aware. You know, no, no, you you were pretty much on your own, I'd say. Well, you know, it reminds me when you say that, it reminds me when my um, aunts or uncles would call from Iran they had to call and talk in code. They couldn't say what they wanted to say because it, they were being listened to on the other line. And um, they were their lives were in danger. So the conversations in the 1980s, I remember, were so very short between my parents and their brothers and sisters. So, so very short. And, it, and they, my parents would, you know, put the phone down and would feel the... Um, the intense pain that these people were feeling, and yet they felt helpless at that point. Yeah, helpless. But you know, but at the same time, it brought so much faith. It strengthened our faith as children, uh, my parents, and the, the community at large. That there, um, this is much, much more powerful and much bigger than any individual or groups of people can destroy. It's much yeah. more powerful. Nothing can destroy what God has created. Mm. Nothing. Wow. You know, and, then, and that in itself is very healing and calming and soothing to one's heart. Wow. Roy, I wanted to ask you, uh, thank you, Dr. Darvish. I wanted to ask you, Dr. Roy uh, Steiner, joining me here today. You know, when I look at the list of places that the film has already played and is pl- and, and, and is scheduled to play, and, and, and honestly, you know, I'm sure that this is going to multiply 10, 20 fold. You know, so we're looking at places like San Antonio, Texas, Mumbai. We're looking at uh, Wayne, New Jersey. We're looking at Seattle. We're looking at Los Angeles. 
Switzerland. I mean, we are literally looking at a global initiative, a global campaign. Um, I wanted to ask you, what is it, um, what is it going to take for this to continue its momentum? I know because you've been involved in so many things um, at a global level. What excites you about what's happening and where do we need to go? Well, I'm, I'm excited precisely for the reasons you've just mentioned that, you know, this is really a global response and, and increasingly the, the problems of the world are going to be solved by many people coming together and, and working to address the, the many issues of, of oppression that, that already exists. And the, the Baha'is are, are deeply persecuted in Iran, but so are Christians and Jews and, and many other, other people. And, and this is really, a, I think, a model of how to respond to oppression. And, and it's a model where I think you, you come from a place of love and you engage the entire planet. I mean, you, you look at the laws of Iran right now. I mean, the closest equivalent you, in the United States history is probably, you know, extreme Jim Crow laws of the 1950s is what, what, what exists in Iran, where Baha'is cannot, you know, it's illegal to go to university. Those professors are, are put in jail when they try to teach. You're actually not allowed to uh, work for the government, even get married. You can be thrown into jail, to, and, and your crime is a Baha'i. And the, and the distinction between the Jim Crow laws is if you're arrested for being a Baha'i in Iran, all you have to do is renounce your faith. You have to say, I convert to Islam. And they will they, they they will let you out. I mean, it's a and yet all these Baha'is refuse to give up their integrity and say you know to, to give up uh, their their faith. And and but then they don't turn the anger into or, or and, uh, into violence. And and you know when when Mushin was talking about Mona, who was this young seventeen year old who, who who passed away. I have a very vivid memory of that. I was 17 years old uh, at, um, when I came home one day and both my parents were in the living room crying mm. and, uh, and I knew something bad had happened. And then they shared the story that a moment, the 17 year old girl uh, arrested for teaching children's classes and hanged um, for, for that crime and according to being seditious behavior, teaching children's classes was considered seditious behavior in, in, Iran, in Iran. And I remember my response as a 17 year old young boy was just anger. I wanted to fight back. I wanted to hurt the people who had done this to this beautiful girl. And I remember my mother through her tears looking at me and saying, please, Roy, don't become like them. You cannot change this world through hate. Take all that anger and make this world a more just place because that's how we're going to change it. And, and I think that response is a much harder response because you have to deep, deep in your soul. You have to respond from that place of love because it's easy to get angry. And you see all over the world yes. the, the, the anger and, and, you, and you see the perversion that that creates and the cycles of violence. You're seeing that, you know, in Syria and Iraq and ISIS and 
really horrific thing. And that's because of the cycle of violence where you respond violence upon violence and it goes nowhere. Somebody has to break that. And, and I think the Baha'is and others, and there are many other people who are doing this. We are certainly not alone. But I think it's a wonderful example of how you respond in the face of, of oppression and violence in a way that actually builds a future that we all want. And, and that, that requires sacrifice. And you're seeing that right now where you know, these, these professors and these leaders, these beautiful, highly educated, kind people thrown into jail for 20 years and the crime is trying to educate people. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, it just flies in the face of, 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 of what we know is right. And I just don't think that that can stand, that that darkness can stand for very long when you have so much light happening. Mm. I know. And, you know, we've often heard awareness is the first step. And, you know, I've heard that. I I can't tell you how many times in my lifetime someone has said that to me, starting back from my grandmother. And I never really understood it until recently. You know, and, and what I want to say to all of you, first off, I want to thank all of you. I want to thank all of you for uh, joining me today, joining our listeners today. I want to thank you for your passion and your purpose and your faith in something greater than each, each one of us uh, here today. Um, I'm looking forward to us continuing to really bring this message of hope and love to millions of people. And uh, in the few minutes we have left, what I would love to ask each of you uh, Hutan, maybe with you first. What is your personal message? What would you like to leave uh, all of us with today? And again, thank you so very much. Thanks. Um, I guess uh, uh, um, the first thing and a very important thing to me is to thank everyone who um, supported these cause and promoted it. Um, I'm I'm really uh, I don't know how to put put it um, amount of support in the world from uh, uh, everyone um, leaves me speechless. Mm. Uh, it, it's it's really hopeful to see all of these support. Uh, I would also like to thank uh, like everyone back in Iran who still supports us and who uh, actively. Uh, basically helping uh, the Baha'i community and BIHE um, from all the professors who uh, consciously uh, serve the BIHE even though they know that they're actually putting their life in danger. I have a few of my professors in jail right now. I have uh, my physics professor, my data communication professor, my Mm -hmm. psychology professor. They're all serving their four and five years in jail solely because of teaching me and my friends. Uh, there are lots of uh, neighbors, uh, lots of non-Baha'i uh, neighbors, and uh, everyone in Iran who were really supportive uh, of this uh, great institute. I just want to thank everyone and uh, ask them to promote the cause. Wow, thank you. Thank you, Hutan. Dr. Darvish? You know, I just want to read a little quote from Baha'u'llah. Mm. 
He says, strive to become the manifestations of love of God, the lamps of divine guidance, shining amongst the kindreds of the earth with the light of love and concord. Mm. This is so beautiful. What an invitation. Dr. Steiner, thank you for joining us. What's your personal message? Yes, it's another quote that comes to mind, which is so powerful is the light of unity that it can illuminate the whole earth. And I think that's ultimately what we're all aiming for, illumination and light. Well, thank you all. Thank you all so much for all that you do in the world. Thank you for inviting me uh, to participate in a very small part uh, of, of, of shining a light in a world that can seem so dark sometimes. So thank you all for doing that. Thank you so much, Dr. Pat. We are truly grateful. Thank you. And I want to say to everybody out there, yes, thank you. I want to say to everybody out there, please go to the website, educationisnotacrime.me. And by the way, you can host uh, a screening of the film. You can host a screening of the film. Please get connected. Watch the trailer. Take a look at where some of these screenings are, are being held. Uh, in an area uh, where you might be living. And if not, uh, you can make that request. Thank you all for joining us here today. We'll see you next time. To Sheer Alchemy with Leslie Fontaine on TransformationTalkRadio.com and get ready to stir up your passions, remove your blocks, and shift into an entirely new existence. Speaker, teacher, channel, clairvoyant, Leslie Fontaine is a transformation catalyst who channels a powerful energy from source to catapult listeners into living the life they were born to live. Whether it's shifting from scarcity to abundance, from emotional pain into joy, or from illness into health, Leslie will help you step into the true essence and power of all that you are with the help of the Ascended Masters and Archangels. You will not be the same. Visit TransformationTalkRadio.com for show dates and times and LeslieFontaine.com to say yes to explosive abundance. Join the Pacific Northwest EFT Tappers at the 5th Annual Tappers Gathering, March 14th at Bastyr University, and have a chance to meet EFT founder Gary Craig. This event raises money for continuing EFT tapping scientific research. Bring your cards and information for a full day of networking and inspiration. Visit www.nwtappersgathering.com or call 360-661-6877. Can you keep your lifestyle in retirement? It's a question people often wonder about. Ask Ameriprise Financial Advisor Jeff Packman about the new Confident Retirement Approach. You and Jeff can break down retirement planning step-by-step to get the real answers you need. In fact, 93% of clients who have had the Confident Retirement Approach conversation feel more confident about their retirement. Call Jeff Packman, Financial Advisor, at 425-453-0272. 
for your confident retirement conversation today. Office is located at 601 108th Avenue Northeast, Suite 1800, Bellevue, Washington, 98004. Percentage based on Ameriprise Financial Confident Retirement Client Survey as of December 2013. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment and advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Ameriprise Financial Services Incorporated, member of FINRA and SIPC. Tired of traditional talk? People pontificating about this or that, the left or the right. Sometimes the truth is just all lost in the noise. Tune in each week to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher on TransformationTalkRadio.com, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, as nationally known guests talk about what's important to you, your life, your concerns, and your success. Tune in and turn on to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher. Visit ChuckGallagher.com for more information. If you're one of the millions of Americans suffering from anxiety, you probably know how powerless and out of control this emotion can make you feel. This is why it is so important to remember that anxiety is created by your mind, which means that you can learn to use your mind to uncreate it. Hello, my name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. My award-winning book, The Fear and Anxiety Solution, provides you with a step-by-step breakthrough process to understand and resolve the root causes of your anxiety and build a solid foundation of confidence and inner peace. If you're ready to take your power back, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. That's thefearandanxietysolution.com or call 866-903-6463. That's 866-903-MIND. Naturopathic doctor, founder of the Martha's Vineyard Holistic Retreat, and author of the New York Times bestseller, 21 Pounds in 21 Days, Dr. Ronnie DeLuce has helped tens of thousands of people, including celebrities and athletes, with her message of lifestyle change. Now, Dr. Ronnie DeLuce wants to help you. You, too, can be saved. Email Dr. Ronnie DeLuce at info at ronniedeleuceonradio.com and visit mvholisticretreat.com. Dr. Ronnie DeLuce, your partner in wellness. It's here, the 23rd Annual Women of Wisdom Conference. Join us Valentine's Day Saturday. Inheritance Made in Mother Crone by Sinner St. Burlesque will entertain, challenge, empower, confuse, embrace, and deeply engage the audience, weaving feminist activism, international dialogue, and our sensory exploration for both ancient and modern myths about the feminine. Community-building events include open-space World Cafe Dialogues with inspirational Jane Talks to explore issues important to women and a teen activist panel interwoven with intergenerational dialogues. Find out all the details at www.womenofwisdom.org. That's www.womenofwisdom.org. Watch for early bird specials throughout December.
Do you want to transform your life's trauma and challenges into the gift that your life was meant to be? It's time for you to take control of your soul journey to heal, grow, and shine. Manifest your destiny with Wendy Wolf, soul transformer, energy, and psychic healer. To start your soul journey, contact Wendy at healgrowshine.com or email Wendy at wendy at wendyrwolf.com and start your adventure today.